Welcome to the Diversity and Inclusion on Air podcast. This podcast is a program of the American Association of Veterinary Medical College's Diversity Matters Initiative. The podcast explores various issues related Welcome to, diversity. to the Diversity and Inclusion on Air podcast. This Welcome. podcast is a program of the American Association of Veterinary Medical College. I'm going to close that. We're going to start over. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Diversity and Inclusion on Air podcast. This podcast is a program of the American Association of Veterinary Medical Colleges Diversity Matters Initiative. This podcast explores various issues related to diversity and inclusion in the veterinary profession and provides the AAVMC an opportunity to offer ongoing diversity programming to our member institutions as well as all veterinary professionals. My name is Dr. Lisa Greenhill, and I'm the Chief Diversity Officer here at the AAVMC. Now, today's topic is meetings, symposia, and conferences. Yay, right? So is your meeting inclusive? Do you consider things like location? Do you have all gender bathrooms that aren't out way back by the loading dock? (laughs) Are you on the lookout for diverse speakers? Do you avoid manals, which are just all male panels, right? (laughs) How do you think about accessibility for folks with disabilities? And, you know, really, do you even think about this stuff? Well, you should. Um, You absolutely should. In an age that is so politicized that some organizations consider actually travel bans because of legislative actions in some states, these are things that become increasingly important. Now, seven years ago, AAVMC briefly instituted a travel ban to states that were passing anti-trans bathroom legislation at the time. It's kind of a little bit of deja vu now, right? Um, It didn't take long for us to realize that, for our association anyway, that travel bans were harmful to our members who live and work in those states and want and need to feel supported by their association. So we ditched the bans and came up with a tool to help us host meetings that are really consistent with our values of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we updated that document uh, last fall uh, and added well-being elements to it. And, um, you know, we're far from perfect. We are, some things on that uh, assessment tool are aspirational, but we are getting better at hosting meetings that are really aligned with our organizational values. So, Joining me today to discuss what you and your organization or college can do to host meetings where folks feel included, values, um, valued, and welcomed and to be their total authentic selves, Michael Wilson from the AVMA. Hello, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Welcome, welcome. Now, did you think that you were going to be a guest on it? Hey, no, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'll take it, man. This is cool. (laughs) I tell everyone that, you know, we can make a diversity topic out of just about everything, but it actually ends up being pretty important when you kind of think about how many people go to meetings, you're spending a lot of money. And if people don't feel good going to places for whatever reason, um, you know, it means that, you know, organizations don't get the, the, they don't get that FaceTime, they don't get that CE, they don't get all of that interaction and collegiality, and it's a loss for everyone. So, you know, let's get into it. So um, the first thing uh, we do on this show is I always allow my guests to introduce themselves. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? We'll do it again. Thank you for having me. 
I'm Michael Wilson. I'm the Division Director for Convention and Meeting Planning here at AVMA. I'm also over our continuing education that we offer with all of our events. And um, main focus is, again, to help set the tone and direction for all the meetings and our conventions that we do on an annual basis. Uh, I've been with AVMA on seven years and going on my eighth convention. Um, the first year I started, it started two weeks before convention in uh, 2017. But, you know, we get right into it here. You know, we, we just put you right into it right off the bat. But no, I enjoy it. I've, I've been in the meeting industry all my life. I'm from Marriott. Some people may know that I was uh, with Marriott for a number of years doing events there. And I've also been a corporate meeting planner with Accenture and had my own event planning company. So it's just my passion. And this is a bucket list job for me to have an opportunity to work with an association with a big convention and continuing education. So it's been very exciting. Great. Wow. Thank you. Um, so, and we'll talk about how AVMA's meeting has changed since you got, <laughs> since you got around. <laughs> it's a bit different than it used to be. Um, so, <laughs> so, Michael, why don't you give us a little bit of a primer on meeting planning? Like, what are some of those big You've got a lot of moving pieces, but right, right. what are some of the big, big decisions that have to be made? Well, you know, your biggest situation about all any meeting, first off, is location, um, because that is going to be your biggest driver. It's the biggest impact of how successful successful our events are and where we go. But you also, at the end of the day, you're, you're looking at your audience and you want to make sure that you're you're touching the um, the senses of all your audiences that that's going to be there. Because that's what makes a great meeting. And one of the things I told AVMA when I started here, I asked the question to leadership. I said, what do you guys think makes a great convention? And everybody says, you know, it's the CE and things of that nature. I said, no. I said, my my theory about events is, and I've been doing them now for over 30 years, is having something for everybody to do all the time. Literally, people go to a convention because they want to be able to do something every hour on the hour. If it, Even if it's just grabbing lunch with a friend. But you got to have those opportunities out there. If the meeting's more structured, you just want to make sure this meeting is structured to the point where it keeps people engaged. And it comes from the seating arrangement, the location, like I stated, the atmosphere of the room, the um, the speakers themselves, and, you know, and the food. Believe it or not, food has a big impact on the meeting. So. Food is very important. <laughs> <laughs> food and access to coffee. <laughs> very, <Yeah>. very important. <laughs> So, you know, my years with with, with, uh, with Marriott, Marriott started a thing called Meetings Imagine some years ago that was instrumental in being part of the kickoff to that. And it focused on meetings in, in, in kind of seven different categories. And, you know, those really are what you're trying to achieve with the meeting. You know, if it's you're trying to teach people something, it's more of a lecture structure, it's a research type of meeting. If you're trying to ideate, you want to make sure that those the setup is is conducive to that. And because it will impact how people come into that event. Um, so we really try here with our team is try to make sure that our events are going to, again, enliven the senses to the point where people stay engaged. Because if they're not, they're going to be checked out within the first five minutes of being in that room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, why would meeting planners care about DEI? It's a big deal. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, inclusivity is is key, number one. We want to make sure everybody's comfortable with being in a situation or a meeting that they've been asked to attend. The diversity aspect of it as well, too, because I think we want to see people like ourselves when we go out to places. Um, for me, I also noticed, and, I, and I'll say this to be very candid about AVMA, when I started, it was very... 
one-sided with the attendance. And I, I try to make a conscious effort to really bring in the diverse groups and organizations back to ABMA to come to this meeting because I felt it was so important. Working with our affiliate organizations and folks like yourself, um, but you had to give them something that they can hold on to, you know, and I think that's really key. You know, our our world is not made up of just one type of person. So why would we do meetings that way? Why would we not be more diverse in what we do? So a lot for me when it comes to DEI, it helps again to to make sure that the, the event is going to be well attended. It helps to make sure that people feel comfortable and want to stay engaged with the information that's coming out. And lastly, for me, a big focus for me with DEI is I try to help with the initiatives that we are trying to set forth with AVMA through events. And that that's usually kind of the convening spot with our events is more so than other situations. So. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, the meetings have changed quite a bit um, since you got there. Um, and I'm not sure. I think. I think the last time we were in Portland, Oregon, I think that might have been before you. Yeah, it was. Oh, boy. <laughs> that was a homogenous meeting. Yeah, I heard about <laughs> it. I heard about it. <laughs> it, was like, it was like trying to, if you did not bring your like black and brown people with you, like you did not see us, right? And so, you know, um, and, and I have seen certainly um, AVMA meetings and certainly other veterinary meetings become more diverse over the years. Um, and part of that is because there is more diversity kind of coming mm-hmm. in. Um, the schools are, um, you know, the, the demographics continue to change there. Um, but I also think that perhaps some of the work that you've done with AVMA has pulled a lot of veterinary professionals who used to skip AVMA back into AVMA. So that's another, you know, key piece that folks sometimes I think undersell is that, you know, if those meetings are not kind of speaking to some of those inclusion values, then folks are just not going to spend that money. Cause I mean, it's expensive to go to a convention. Yeah. And when you look at that alone, again, you want to make sure you're getting the value out of the investment that you're putting into it. So, you know, one of the things for me when I started here and just after when I first the first convention I planned was 2017 and looking at things, I did feel the lack of diversity and inclusivity in a lot of things that we had done. It was very one sided. I mean, it looked very similar to some of the other conferences that were taking place. So, you know, we try to make that effort to bring in things that would entice people to 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 want to attend AVMA. First off, believe it or not, music is the key to connection with people. And if anybody knows me now, they know I'm big into the music thing. So I've infused music first off. That was the first thing I did into our event. And at first, I think it to me eased the tension maybe that's in the room about it. And now, you you know, we started an event called Live Life, Love All, which started in 2018 in Denver. So kind of apropos that we're going back to Denver this year. We're going to bring it back. We've done it, but we're going to continue to kind of celebrate it. But that event was about bringing everybody together and just celebrating who we are as, as an organization. Every color, race, creed, what the situation is. Um, but the music was the key to the bond to that. The second part of that is, you know, making sure that the the vision part of this was was being seen, meaning that as an attendee, you're seeing people like yourself that are speaking. You know, I think that, again when you talk about any meeting, whoever your keynote or your presenter is, people got to be able to relate to that person. And if they don't, again, they're going to check out really, really fast. And 
the big thing for me, and I use convention as our main example, is because the investment that's made for any attendee to come to convention is pretty large. So at the end of the day, I want to make sure, again, you're feeling that, hey, I got the value out of this. So we just try to make sure that we did a, a full conscious effort to put in initiatives that will make people say, you know what? This is worth it for me. The speakers that we bring in. I'll take last year's speaker, Dr. Bertice Berry. She's probably one of the highest rated speakers we've ever had at a convention in the history of AVMA. Um, what we've done with even with our concert, you know, I've transitioned our concert from being a um, kind of traditional pop band. And we started in D.C. in your area when we did the Battle of the Bands. And we focused literally on three different types of acts, an R&B act, a pop act and a country western, because yeah. everybody's not into one type of music. Yeah. So that's a big deal for us. And I think that has helped people just look at us and say, you know what? There's kind of a new way of, of, of doing business, so to speak, with AVMA. Um, and again, we we are being very, very forward and very transparent about how forward we are about trying to make these initiatives work. Um, and then the other part of it really comes into the other content that we that we offer. But I did a lot of research, honestly, when I first started with AVMA. I, I met with a lot of affiliate groups. I went down to Tuskegee and talked to a lot of the folks there and just asked the question, hey, why don't you all attend AVMA? And I got some very candid answers and I, and I understand them hundred percent. So how can I make this more appealing to you? What can yeah. I do? So that's been a big focus for us. And our team has done a good job of, of thinking out of the box as well. Yeah. So that, you know, cause I tell them, put yourself in a situation, no matter what you are, be it your gender, your race, whatever, put yourself in a situation as a customer or the attendee. And what would you like to see if you were in that situation? Yeah. 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 So next time we're in D.C., I expect to hear some go-go. I got you, because we did <laughs> miss that. We did miss that. That was a big miss for me, so I get it. <laughs> so, Michael, what are some ways that, um, you know, organizations like AVMA or smaller groups like AVMC, and there's even smaller, smaller groups, right? Um, what are some ways that they can kind of start moving towards having a more inclusive meeting for folks that have never thought about this. And I also want to just say, before you answer, for those folks that haven't thought about this, this is not a slam against you, but it is another opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. Here's an opportunity to grow. So, so what are some of those things that they can do? First of all, you just got to, you got to step out the box. You just, you got to make the personal change and the conscious effort to make that change. Um, I think the second thing is to, there's, I do a lot of networking and brainstorming with my colleagues from other associations, and I try to really pull best practices that I see from those events, where particularly where I see more diversity, mm -hmm. and um, we use those, you know, and, and it's nothing wrong with, I call it uh, productive plagiarism a little bit. So if you see something that works for somebody else, you can use it. Nobody's put a patent on it. So, <laughs> um, But I think the first part of it is you have to admit that your conference is or your meeting is not where it needs to be from a diverse standpoint. So you got to first look at it with the lens off and go, what am I seeing? Am I seeing pretty much the status quo every time? And um, that'll help you to, 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 to find solutions, I think, at some point. But there is the information that's out there, be it through conversations with colleagues that you know, or other organizations, even us. There's also just ideas out there that that different that have been done that you can pull. You know, I do everything from going on Pinterest, believe it or not. Yes. Meeting planners use Pinterest all the time. 
So you pull those things and you try to use them and, and you can't be scared to try something. And if it doesn't work, you try something else. And that's our model. We'll try something. If it doesn't work, okay, we'll try something else. Yeah. And we've done that over the last couple of years with some activity in regards to strictly DEI when it comes to our events. <clears throat> so as I mentioned at the top of the show, we had, we very briefly, I think it was like one year, we had a travel ban. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so we didn't go to, I think, Mississippi and we weren't going to North Carolina. And there was a whole bunch of places we weren't going to go to, right? And um, but we have schools there and mm-hmm. we had, there were some that we had to move the meeting because, you know, we've decided we're not going to spend money there. And right. you know, the feedback that we got, which was really legitimate was, Hey, you're not supporting us. And right. we, we're living here in the middle right. of this. And so, um, <clears throat> and so we really kind of had to to take a step back and think about, how do we continue to support our members in a meaningful way? But also, how do we kind of stand up in our values and say, you know, um, this is some of these things that are happening here are just not not cool for us, right? And right. so I think about that like seven years ago, and now I'm like, I think about now, and I'm like, well, my word, I wouldn't go anywhere. It's so- so a lot of places, right? Yeah. Uh, for me individually, maybe not for the association, but we decided that we were like, we're going to let our meetings speak for us. Like right. this is what inclusion should look like, right? And <clears throat> I mean, it started just with how we think about the com- composition of our program committee. I mean, just kind of thinking about some of those things, thinking about locations. Um, you know, folks want to go to really pretty places. Right. <laughs> like we, we liked it when AVMA was in Hawaii. <laughs> A lot of people did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We liked it when it was in Hawaii. We like it when it's in Denver. But, you know, there are some places that we have to be really open and honest that just might be a great conference setting, but it's not a conference setting that's safe for everyone. Right, right. You know, how do you kind of navigate some of those kind of conversations? Well, I would tell you, Lisa, that's probably been a big challenge for meeting planners across the country and folks in my position because of the political situations of different states. Um, And it's come up. I'm on a couple different advisory boards for two different cities. I'm on the advisory board for the city of Denver. And I'm on the advisory board of the city of Indianapolis. And in both of my meetings, and these are with colleagues, uh, again, from other associations, the politicalization of what is going on in the country and the states has an impact on people saying, yeah, can I have a meeting here or can I not? But you also, to your point, you have to still keep in mind, you got a customer base. And, I, and I, I'm going to call them a customer base instead of an attendee. You got a customer base that it may be not the best situation for them to travel across country to go to a meeting. So you want to be mindful of that. I think sometimes you have to take the personal view out of it and look at it from holistically. I got a a, a group of people I need to meet and to get connect with. How can I still make this inclusive regardless of what the situation entails? So, however, on a larger scale, and, and just to be very candid, we are very much in that boat when we look at convention because there's so many people that come into a city and if that can truly impact us. So I'll take Minneapolis when we were supposed to be in Minneapolis in 2022, um, 2021, excuse me. Um, a lot of us pulling out of Minneapolis didn't have as much to do with the COVID aspect as it did with the whole George Floyd thing. Yeah. 
there was too much social unrest for us to put our folks in jeopardy for any opportunities to happen. So you do make those kinds of decisions that go, okay, will this work or will it not work? But I think at the end of the day, it's very important to to keep that in mind um, and then see how you can work around potentially any restrictions that or any feelings that a city or state may have. And, and, and in most cases, in most cases, the venues want your business and they're going to do what they need to do to get your business. So um, and there are a lot of cities now and I'll take you know some cities in Florida just right now with a lot of things that are going on there. The cities are saying, hey, look, we understand that some state views may not be, you know, apropos for people, but we want to make this work for you. So we'll do these things to put them in place, you know, and and, and, and it's private property. So they have the right to do that. So they can't necessarily use state law to say, no, you can't change a bathroom or something like that. So you, you work within it. Um, but you definitely keep it in mind because we don't want people who are coming to that state to feel uncomfortable either. So that's the other part of it. So it is a double-edged sword at this point, but it has become probably a larger topic of conversation. I go to a couple different convention planner meetings a, a year. It's a large topic of conversation for people right now because it is affecting the potential cities that they go to. AVMA, we are pretty consistent with the cities that we go to. We are moving to a five-city rotation. That was something that was decided two years ago when I started. And we picked the five cities that we have the best um, the best attendance record over the past 20 years. And those cities also more so destinations, too, to your point earlier. People like to go places where it's a destination. So, And we've also found those cities to be a little bit more balanced with their views politically. Um, so it puts us in a good situation. And those cities are just so people know, because I know they're asked, D.C., Boston, Chicago, Denver, and San Diego will be our five-city tour. So. All right. All great cities. All great cities. Um, so, yeah, these are, I mean, I do think that it's in, um, these things are important. And I think that even when folks are having some of these meetings in those, <clears throat> I hate saying less desirable, but for mm-hmm. some folks, um, you know, they feel they have big feelings. They feel some kind of way. Um, right. And, you know, how do we how can organizations really be intentional about, you know, making sure that those needs are also addressed? And so I'm going to be really, really transparent and blunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shocking. I know. <laughs> but, but, you know, I um, <clears throat> like in February, no, January for um DMX, that was the first time in five years that I'd been to Florida. Uh-huh. It was like, get it while you can, because I won't be back <laughs> soon. And I mean, we have events in Florida. Certainly, VMX is a huge event. We have a conference, um, a Dean's conference right mm-hmm. before that event. Um, so we're always there every year. Um, you know, fortunately, I have a, a, a CEO who is incredibly flexible about respecting, um, you know, some staff views on like, where I feel comfortable going and and right. my reasons why, but there are also places that I've said, yo, not going there under mm-hmm. any circumstances. Mm-hmm. Not, nope, not not. I will fly around the world <laughs> before I go, and I mean, you know, and I'll be blunt, Coeur d'Alene. So I'm like always shocked by how many veterinary associations and how many events are held in Coeur d'Alene. I hear it is gorgeous. It is. Yeah, I've also heard. <laughs> <laughs> that the minute you step out of the hotel, <laughs> yeah, 
that, you know, if you're black or brown or queer, visibly queer, right, that, you know, you really need to be careful. Right. Right. And we're in that situation now. So, you know, Denver's fine this year. Denver's a pretty liberal city. We're going to Austin next year. Um, So there are going to be some conversations about Texas next year. So, you know, for us, and it was a city that was signed prior to me coming on, but we have to just try to turn water into wine, so to speak, and just really try to make people feel, again, as inclusive, as safe and as comfortable as possible. And that's why I do my due diligence. A lot of work that I do in the role AVMA is connecting with those cities to help them understand this is my customer base. These are the people that I'm enticing to come to the city. This is what I need your city to be embracing. You know, and that comes from every aspect of it. Um, and when I also bring in, and let's just be real, the financial situation has a lot of conversations. So we have a huge economic impact into a city. So I push that. I push that initiative. You financially, I'm bringing a lot of money into your city. So you need to make this work. So, you know, I think it is the the role of people in my position to make sure that even if you have to go into a situation that may be a little uncomfortable, you can, there, there are ways that you can impact that. And and, and again, the, the venues, the restaurants and places, yeah. they want that business. They want, it's yeah. all about the bottom line. So they're going to do what they need to do to make people happy. Now you necessarily can't control the neighborhoods, but yeah. you make sure you're, you keep your people in situations where they don't have to be, you know, hit with some of those, those extremes. So, yeah. but at the end of the day, you, you still have a, you have a, the, the city has a responsibility to you or the venue has a responsibility to you as the planner because you're putting money in their pocket. Yeah. So of course that, and, and be very, very upfront with it. You know, and I think that's probably where I think I've been on both sides of this industry. So I've been the, the, the planner now, and then I've been on the other side working with Marriott and being the vendor. And I tell people all the time as the vendor, you, you know, you have an opportunity to create a, an experience for the people that come in. So you want to do that. And then as a planner, I force that a little bit because of the economic impact. So shout out to Austin. It is one of the few cities. It is a city in Texas that I really actually love. It is very diverse. They've got, you know, Sixth Street. It's it's yep. great. Good, we're great. we're so, excited about Austin next year. It's going to be a good year for us, too. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, you know, what are some other things that you've done to make uh, AVMA's convention more inclusive? So one of the first things, again, I'll go back to I Live Life Love All event. I'm so happy for the event. It was one of the things that I said, how can I bring people together and just casually just have a, you know, a very, very easy and manageable connection? And it was, again, through music. So we put Live Life Love All together. And I tell you how I came up with that name. Um, I was at Western Vet. I was meeting some people for dinner, one night, some friends of mine that was there. And I walked past the sign that said, live life, love all. And I came back and I told Dr. Mia Carey, who many people may know, I said, Mia, I got a name for this event that I want to do. It's going to be a party to celebrate diversity. She said, what is it? I said, live life, love all. And it stuck. And so that event basically was a variety show at the end of the day where we brought in the Barking Cats that Dr. Deb Stone helped put together. So it's made up of a lot of different veterinarians and technicians and folks. And people got up and just let their hair down and did whatever they could do from singing to playing instruments. And it was a big party. It was probably some of the most fun I've had in a small, we had about 150 people that showed up. It was at the Hard Rock. 
But it, it was more it people be. than that. <laughs> yeah. well, I almost got in trouble because we hit the capacity level. So the city was mad at me because I was at capacity. So I'm standing there. It was up. more than 150 people. <laughs> <laughs> no, it took off. So now we do it every year. So it's, that's a big event for us. And, and it's just it's in, it's grown every year. So last year we had it at SPIN um, in Philadelphia in conjunction with our Vet Tech event and our Young Professionals event. And everybody stayed for it. So this year, we're excited. We're going to be in Denver. We're doing it at a, a, a place called Dirk Bentley's. Um, it's on a pretty active uh, night spot street in, in in Denver. And we have, instead of doing the Barking Cats, we're going to have a live karaoke band. So you can be a, you can be a future star, man. We can get you up there. <laughs> play. You can sing to a band. It's kind of like, you know, all these other talent shows that are out there. So uh, we're excited <laughs> about that. We're going to bring that back. So that's one thing we've done. On an educational standpoint, though, we've made conscious efforts to promote diversity, equity, inclusion events. So last year, we had uh, CE based on the virtual side. We had a whole day that it was all diversity, equity, and inclusion content, strictly. We put it out there in the forefront so people can can get it. Because we understand and sometimes it's going to be a challenge of getting people to attend a DEI-focused event as opposed to clinical or scientific-based education. So we didn't want to have it compete against each other. Mm-hmm. This year, we decided to be a little bit more aggressive with that. So we're going to take one hour out of Sunday of CE and across every section. So from professional development, practice management, campaign animal, they all have diversity, equity, inclusion based topics across that hour. Wow. So you, you're talking 20 some odd rooms of CE that have some type of connection about what we call professional development focused mm-hmm. type content. Um, and it's just our way to kind of make sure that we're doing our due diligence to get it out there to people. Um, and then lastly is the recruiting effort. We constantly are recruiting for new speakers, talking with the affinity groups, working with the affinity groups about new speakers. I attend a lot of events from um, the National Association of Black Veterinarians Conference to Tuskegee. And every time I see somebody that I feel is, can be a great speaker, I'm asking, hey, submit something for, for AVMA's convention. So just being very forward with the effort is kind of really a key. Um, and we've seen the turnaround. And again, I think people feel very, very excited about coming to the event. Um, and they feel comfortable about it. Because I remember when I first started, I, the comfort level wasn't high. And I heard that from a lot of students because I talked to a lot of students first and and because they will set they were very honest with you because they're not in the industry just yet. So they will burn it down. Like, right. like, like it's your feelings. <laughs> right. No, that's really exciting. Um, I also know we'll be that you'll be hosting a uh I guess it's a town hall. I know Latanya and I are gonna be. Uh, fielding some questions and um, and and all of that as well. So there's there's a lot of content now. Yeah. So we're doing the digital district is our kind of our we kind of call it our stage of uh, one of the exhibits that we do. So in the backdrop behind me is kind of a view of the digital district. So in the past we've done these vet talks in there, our version of TED talks. We're changing that to more interview type situations. So um, you and Dr. Latanya Craig will be interviewed there. We're going to be doing our um, we're going to interview our new Frederick Douglass Patterson Award recipient in that space on Sunday. Uh, the DVMC is going to be holding their uh, break in the day at DEI with the DVMC event that day. Sunday is going to be a heavy DEI focused day. Um, 
And then we got a big piece that we're doing is, is something new that Dr. Craig has helped initiate is we're going to honor what we call our unsung heroes. Um, so we are focusing on, um, in the state of Colorado, these folks that work in practices that don't necessarily get all the recognition from a vet tech to a practice manager to a custodian. So we're really excited about that. So that's going to be a new focus for us. And then this year is going to be in the state of Colorado, and we hope we make it a national type of recognition moving after that. So. Oh, that's so exciting because, I mean, yeah, there are all kinds of unsung heroes that, you know, never get much attention, but you can't do it without them. Right. 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 The last thing I would probably say that was a big piece for us is our Vet for a Day program with Dr. Hodges and Dr. Ferguson from the Critter Fixers. So we launched that last year um, in Philadelphia. It's basically a spinoff of something they had already been doing in their practice in Fort Valley, Georgia. Um, but we were at Saw High School, which is a public high school in Philadelphia, just out from the outskirts of the city. Um, it was a great turnout. Um, the episode that was filmed by the Disney for their show was on not too long ago. So if you have yeah. a fixes, you can see it. But we're going to continue that process. And really that effort is about promoting the industry to socially economic diverse areas that don't get to hear about it. And I tell people all the time. I grew up in the city of Chicago. I'm born and raised Southside until I die. White Sox fan for those people that live in Chicago. But <laughs> I, through my years of high school, I never, even grade school, nobody talked about being a veterinarian. In my, it just wasn't a conversation. And though I'm not a vet, I've just become to be very, very fond of the industry. And now I'm really focused on trying to get that information out to the masses as a way, any way I can in the cities that we go to. So our Vet for, for a Day program will be a constant initiative every city we go to. We're also going to be doing something at our leadership conference this winter in January with the local schools in Chicago. But since I've taken this role, I've had more people come up to me, friends, family, whatever, saying, hey, and I heard you doing this thing with the vets. I got a daughter, a niece, a cousin that wants to be a vet. Let's talk. Let me help you yeah. out. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'd be a very wealthy woman if I had done <laughs> every one of those during the course of my career. Um, but yeah, I mean, I remember back in back in the day, there was uh, uh, one of my neighbors down the street. He became a veterinarian. And I just remember everybody in the neighborhood going, where do you get that from? <laughs> right. Right. And, and hear me like. Everybody had pets. Like right. that's not that wasn't the issue, <laughs> right? And this is one of the things when I tell veterinarians, they're like, "Well, you know, if you get a pet, then you're going to go to the vet." And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> your neighborhoods where that correlation is not necessarily what you think it is." Um, but with more exposure, certainly, you know, it becomes an option. And you know, there are lots of students who are out there who just need that exposure. They have an interest. They just need that exposure. Yeah, yeah. So what are some things that you want to look to do in the future to make not just convention, but some of the smaller meetings that AVMA um, does? So one of the things that I'm working on with Dr. Craig and we're, right now, we're looking at doing our first DEI summit from AVMA, hopefully next year. is something I think that's much needed. Um, again, I'm getting more connected with some of the smaller meetings as well, just to help them increase the engagement. And it's going to come from, you know, again, having more of an inclusive situation to it. Um, you know, I think people are seeing the success that we've had with convention and with VLC over the last few years. So 
more of my internal customers here at ABMA with the different divisions and also just some external people from other allied companies like reaching out to me and say, hey, Mike, give me some ideas of things that I can do. And I just, I'm more than happy to share. Again, there's, there's, you know, to me, the way this is done is really through a little plagiarism in some situations, but I go to a lot of events through the course of the year. So not just within the AVMA space, but just in general. So when I see things that I think can work, I grab them and I use them in some type of capacity. So, and I think the other thing too, that people should think about is that the concept doesn't change because it's a large convention to a small convention or small meeting. You can still do different things to initiate that, that feeling of diversity, equity, inclusion into it. And, um, and a lot of it starts with your icebreaker in the beginning. Every meeting that we do, that I do from a committee meeting standpoint that I host, we do an icebreaker. The icebreaker levels the playing field. Yeah. You know, we may have people that are in there that are from different levels of their career, whatever, but icebreakers always level the playing field. So it makes people feel a little bit more comfortable to be more open about those conversations. So I recommend that to anybody that's doing any type of meeting. I don't care if you got 10 people, if you got 60 people, do an icebreaker. You can do that icebreaker within that small group of a table of, of folks, yeah. but it will help your situation. And particularly if you want people to be engaged with comments and questions and things, you're not going to get that if people come into and they, they feel they don't feel safe, they don't feel comfortable. So. Yeah. Great. So what are some of those other um, things that you've seen at meetings in or out of that med that you have borrowed? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I think a couple of things that we've done, like I said, the icebreakers have been a big key. So I've seen an icebreaker that I thought was the coolest situation was for a small meeting where uh, we tried to do it at VOC a couple of years ago. It was a little different. We used name tags, but I've seen a a situation where everybody had on a white T-shirt. They were given a white, big, tanged T-shirt with a Sharpie and you went around and you basically had people give a comment of your personality that they knew you on your t-shirt. Oh. And it's, first of all, people are very scared, <laughs> but once people start going with it, it's fun. It just, you yeah, know, sure. and hopefully you, it helped also, or you can use it as a situation where, you know, if it's a new situation, everybody doesn't know each other, just give an observatory type of comment, you know, hey, this person likes hoop earrings or something like that. But those type of icebreakers I've yeah. seen be very, very effective and fun. Um, you know, the other things that I've, I've seen, too, that is is just having, um, again, that right speaker, that right moderator for a meeting that knows that how to play on personalities and bring the bring the energy out of the the floor. So, you know, one thing that we attend every year, we either, my team, we either attend one or two conferences every year. One is called the Professional Convention Managers Association. They have an event called Convening Leaders that happens every January. We try to go when we can. And that event, they do it well because it's 16, 17,000 person convention and you got people from all walks of event planning from corporate association, not-for-profit or whatever. And it's very diverse. Sure. They make sure everybody feels they have something to do. And so we try to pull from that. Uh, we also attend other conferences as well. We just look for little things that, that draw people to their to their uh, their booth if they're in the exhibit hall. So it's just, 
you know, and, and a lot of this stuff is simple. I think people try to overthink it. They think they got to do this grandiose thing. It's just simple stuff. And I go back to the fact of put yourself in the situation of being an attendee. And what would you like to see? Then you try to initiate that. All right. So um, <laughs> I see so some we questions. Have a question. We've got a question from a viewer. And um, that question is, and it's, it's a legitimate one. Do you consider introverts versus extroverts when you decide on icebreakers? You do. You have to. So you, you don't want your introverts to go into a cocoon because some things may be too aggressive for them. So like the white T-shirt thing, eh, I may not do that. <laughs> but you may do something like we have um, we have an ideation ball in the office and it has little things. If you mm-hmm. So we'll toss the ball to a person. If your thumb lands on a question, you got to answer that question. Okay. So it creates conversation. Yeah. But you you definitely you don't want to do something that's so you know out there that the person that's introverted goes Mm-mm, you're never gonna get me you just you're gonna make them just go back up in a closet somewhere so yes you have to do that you gotta know your audience at the end of the day you truly gotta know your audience whatever you're trying to do um, but there's subtle ways of doing things to get people engaged so. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Yeah, that that's a really um, uh, the introvert extrovert thing is really important. And I think it's probably even more so now that we are, I guess, post pandemic, because I, I mean, I'm a, I, I was a huge extrovert. I still am. But too many people <laughs> like yeah. and I like start kind of, you know, I need to go find somewhere else. <laughs> right. I got to go find somewhere else. But um, yeah, these things are really um uh, cool. So I will say, as we begin to wrap up, that um, as I mentioned, we do have our um, our tool, and I mean it it addresses um, a lot of different areas, right? The program committee, site selection. Mm-hmm. Um, we also talk about you know our our partnerships and our sponsorships, right? And our those relationships also consistent with right. where we're trying to go, right? And so um, we talk about it with respect to how we evaluate abstracts, um, how we kind of talk about promotion, all of these kinds of things. Well, I'm going to a meeting later this month <clears throat> and um, <laughs> I was so excited because they will have a sensory room for mm-hmm. folks that, you know, um, experience, have autism or or experience you know, some issues related to being um, uh, kind of over oversensitized, right? right. And so there's just right. so much going on. Um, and so those things are really, you know, you don't think about them and how what role they can play and kind of how important they can be. Because oftentimes these folks, the number of folks who need that, who need that seem to be so small, but for those folks, it allows them to be able to fully participate. Right. Right. Allows them to be able to fully participate. So as we wrap up, anything else that you think folks should know? What do you want your your meeting planning colleagues at other veterinary organizations to know? Don't be scared to step out there and try something. Truly, honestly, I think that's usually the fear, the fear of, of, of failure or fear of potential backlash makes people sometimes not do. Um, and I think you gotta, you gotta try it. You gotta put yourself out there and be vulnerable a little bit. And honestly, again, I, I always go back to this, put yourself in the situation of the customer. How would you respond to it? Yes. Who am I? I'm a very introverted, sound on mine. I'm a very extroverted, <laughs> <laughs> but I know what I like, but I do to something you just stated earlier. I do have sensory overload. I don't, 
I can't go as there's too much going on. That's just it gives me a headache. Yeah. So you have to know how to balance that where you can. And you have to understand your customer base. But at the end of the day, try it. Just don't 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 stifle creativity because of fear. And that's just not me. And that's we'll do things. And I and I'm very big on this on my team. I said, I'm gonna keep doing stuff around AVMA till somebody slaps my hand and say, Mike, we can't do that. <laughs> and it hasn't happened yet. So I'm doing well. <laughs> I live by that age adage as well. <laughs> Don't ask for forgiveness. Let's ask for forgiveness. (laughs) All right. Well, I look forward to seeing you in Denver. Definitely. Definitely. And we hope that a lot of our listeners and viewers today will also, we'll see you in um, Denver at the big party. I'm sure. July 14th through the 18th. Yeah. Just throw that out there, a little shameless plug. There you go. That's what we're here for. Uh, (laughs) You'll be hearing very shortly here who our concert act will be, and it'll be partly this diversity piece that we're putting into, but that'll be coming out soon. I think you'll all be very excited about that. But um, yeah, we're very excited about Denver. It's always been a good city for us. Uh, We got a great program put together from a CE standpoint, um, some great activities. And and again, so come on out and join, join the fun and be part of this family reunion that we have every year. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really um, have really enjoyed our, our chat today and uh, always, looking always forward to the party. Um, All right. So this has been another episode of AAVMC's Diversity and Inclusion on Air to my guest, Michael Wilson from AVMA. Thank you so much for joining me for this discussion. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app and uh, be sure to look out for the next few episodes. We are back um, for the month of May. I take a few, a little bit of time off um, after doing a few chunks at a time, but we'll be doing um, some shows on the upcoming uh, Supreme Court case decision that we're expecting related to affirmative action. We've also got a, um, a show later this month um, celebrating um, Asian American Pacific Islander um, uh, month. So Thank you again, Michael, for joining me. Thanks for listening.